We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, but today doesn't feel that way. We are divided in more ways than one, and the media and the powers that be all have their own agenda. The people of this great nation no longer care about the truth, they only care about the side they are on. At Poor360, I am trying to change that. We're bringing you the facts and history so we can all learn something and make our own decisions. Tune in every Tuesday to be a part of that journey. Following, following the following the journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. Went forward in time to view alternate futures, to see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict. How many did you see? Fourteen million six hundred and five. How many did we win? Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Journey into Comics, the podcast that's dedicated to everything nerd. With your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips, and introducing his new co-host, Tyler McLaughlin. You should have gone for the head. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome Back to another episode of Journey into Comics. It's Journey into Comics 274. I am your host, Nate, and today joining me is not... Not to say he's not the world's greatest podcast co-host. I don't want you guys to get crossed and confused, but today is not Tyler's return to JIC. Tyler is out. He has some stuff he has to take care of. Real life caught him up. So today, filling in... For the man himself is the other man himself from Journey into Wrestling. You guys know him and love him. Welcome back to Journey into Comics for the first time in, I think, like 30-some episodes. I do believe so, yeah. Buckles. How you doing, bro? Not too bad. I don't think I've actually gotten to sit in on a JIC since uh, LaffyCon, actually, was the uh, the endgame end reaction. The episode where if you were at LaffyCon in the morning when we planned to f- record this, you know, before people got in there... And there were still people, you know, who worked there. Uh, right. You you heard AP pretty much spoil the whole fucking movie, and I love you, AP. <laughs> he just was talking very loudly, even though he was trying to be quiet. I have to say, the best part of that was the fact that there was a few uh, laughing con uh, like employees or attendees that were just kind of starting to file in as we were wrapping that up, and we were having to keep the volume down because like every time someone would mention any kind of a spoiler, you'd see someone's like, "What the fuck, man." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the pitfalls of recording uh, quasi-live. You know, that was one of those situations where if we're you know being a little retrospective about that day and everything and the decisions that were made around doing that, you know, initially we had talked about doing the wrap-up show Saturday after the con. Right. And I can't remember what the exact – I feel like maybe somebody hadn't seen it yet that we wanted on the panel or, or something wasn't so. – flowing how we needed it to flow i'm not sure quite how to fucking say that i'm, I'm falling short on i think my we also here. were running pretty late by that point it was pretty late by that point i think nick had to get over and get prepped for the after party and stuff so, right so we right. just said let's shoot it for early in the morning let's just get here way before anybody else and even though we all intended getting there way before anybody else and even though technically we were like some of the first people in the door there were still people there uh i gotta and, say uh Fun fact about that little after party, uh, you mentioned Nick having to go. That was, I'm just now remembering, that was the site of the uh, the mythical lost podcast of uh, 
of uh, Dungeons with Dudes the very second time we got to play um, Fiasco and didn't get to record it, which was a massive, massive tragedy. No. Oh, man. I did, oh, that sucks. I think that is Buckles, and I, I'm not sure how many times you've experienced what you just said, if that's been the lone time. So far. Uh, it's, so far. Honestly, bro, it is maybe, like, the worst feeling in entertainment. Like, you got, as, as our listeners know, I do the band thing, and I, and I have a lot of other, you know, things going on in my world. And, like, okay, as, as a musician, you go to a gig, you don't get paid sometimes. You're like, fuck, I wasted my time and my effort. That learns me. Next time I'll be more diligent about who I book with. Uh, but when you lose a podcast and it's either, oh, I totally didn't hit the button, or, oh, I hit the button, but uh, take you back last year, Buckles. This is like a story within a story a little bit here as we tangent our way through the first few minutes here. Uh I was doing a podcast with Brando a couple years ago. It was one of the Journey into Wrestlings in Season 2. We were pretty deep in. And I was over at his house, and my board that I record with is kind of weird and finicky. And if I, like, don't hit the off button to power it down, it doesn't save. It doesn't Ooh. just have, like, an autosave feature built into this board. You have to shut it down so it will tell itself to save. So we were doing some things at Brando's house. We had just finished this like two-hour journey into wrestling, and I went to plug my phone in, and I tripped and hit the button on the extension cable. Okay. And shut the board off without oh. saving it. Oh, God, that's awful. And we were dog-ass tired and still had to do it, so we had to go again, try again, in a little bit more of a steadfast manner, as with wrestling sometimes can be difficult to do, but... Yeah, man. So, anyways, say, after yeah. we're all over the place here in the first few minutes, we've already got a train of our existence here on JIC 274, folks. It's really crazy, Buckles. This time next week, you and I will have seen the end of the Skywalker saga. I'm going to say you will probably have seen. I may not get to see it until the beginning of uh, the following week. I may not get to go that first weekend. Oh, dude, no. I, I'm, I hate it. No, um, I've got... Uh, if you don't know me, I've got uh, about I'm a child of divorce, so I've got lots of different family members. So I've got Christmas stuff all uh, through that first weekend, so the twenty uh, first and twenty second both. Um, I have uh, some personal matters to attend to on the twentieth, so I am just busy as hell. So I'm hoping Monday morning on the twenty third to try to get out to see it. Hell yeah, bro. Uh, well, to just continue on that thought, like. We aren't too far away here from Rise of Skywalker. The saga is ending this week mm -hmm. has been, I know I talked to you, you were watching Star Wars. I know the girls and I and Ollie were watching Star Wars a lot this week. I think I've seen of the seven original films, I think I've, or eight original films, math is bad. Uh, I think I've seen all of them, but I didn't watch Attack of the Clones yet. I, I'm not going to say that's a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, it's not that I don't hate that movie, and it's really weird because I have, like, personal history with that movie. Like, the first serious girlfriend I ever took on a date and, like, got filthy with in a movie theater when I was, like, 15 <laughs> or whatever was to Attack of the Clones. I'd seen it, like, three times by that point. But All right. So, I mean, it, you know, it just kind of, like, sticks in there, man. So, uh, but, like, we, I just, last week, after watching the Mandalorian episode last week, it asks, 
Would you like to watch The Empire Strikes Back? I'm not going to well, say How is that no. even a question? Like, you could ask me that at midnight, you know, on after a funeral or something. I don't care. Is it a good time to watch Empire Strikes Back? Yes, it is. It's, it's always <laughs> a good time. Exactly. And am I going to fall asleep? Maybe. But that's okay. Because then you go to sleep dreaming of Star Wars. Come on. I'll be dreaming of Star Wars and thinking about it in my (laughs) sleep. You're goddamn right, man. So, you know, watching all these things, getting hyped up. uh, Did you see this little clip they released for The Rise of Skywalker? It depends on which one. I've been trying to avoid as much spoilers and as much material as I can. I want to try to take it in, you know, completely blind, if at all possible. I have seen a couple TV spots, though. So it depends on which one you're asking. Well, they just released like an actual two-minute clip of the movie that was just like a very specific scene with Kylo Ren. Have uh, you, do you know anything about this? No, I have. Uh, I think I saw a a headline. Um, is there something about him uh, hearing the voice of the Emperor or meeting the Emperor? Well, whoever thinks that that was the sole headline, I think did kind of a poor job because. Uh, I mean, while he does, in fact, hear the Emperor's voice, and that's something that's undisputed, we've already kind of got that in the trailers, that that's probably right. what was going to happen. It's is deeper it the, than uh, He is doesn't the, just hear his voice. He hears there was, Vader's okay. voice. He uh, hears Snoke's voice. Okay. And there's some dissension, and my brain starts ticking in a different way. And I'm not going to spoil, like, the clip. We're too close. It literally, right. today is Monday if you're listening to this. So in four fucking days, if you have the chance to on Thursday preview night, Star Wars is going to be out, and the it's going to be like, stay off the fucking internet if not, because it's probably going to get spoiled right. really quick, as Baby Yoda has showed us. That's exactly what I'm planning on going as f- soon as possible Monday morning. So AS Super AP, and I'll tell you not to listen to JIC until then. Uh, I would completely understand so. <laughs> um, but, so, keeping on that train of thought, like, not spoiling that little clip. I want to talk specifically about the Kylo Ren hearing the voices thing. And okay. my belief is that Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, because he was child of Leia, who was ultra strong in the Force. I mean, she's Luke's twin. Right. Never uses the Force. I mean, one right. time. Okay. Like, realistically. Realistically. It's the oh shit button. She hits it when she absolutely had to. Correct. So you don't think that the, I mean, if, if we are to believe as Star Wars, and you'll follow me here on this, as Star Wars has taught us, okay, uh, Padme had the twins, Luke ultra powerful in the force, Leia powerful in the force, those genes are going to do what? Get passed down again. Right. Right. So Ben Solo picks up all this Skywalker energy. He's got the Skywalker juice flowing in his veins, you know. And he is so overcharged that much like, and I'm gonna and, I, and trust me when I reference this back, you're gonna go, oh shit! I never even thought about it like that. I, I, at least I hope that's your reaction. Me predicting shit, I don't know. But Kylo, okay, uh, hear, hearing these voices. He, Ben Solo, ultra-tapped into the Force. And what did we get in Last Jedi that was kind of controversial? A lot of people weren't sure if it was something they enjoyed. I personally loved it. Do you know one thing I'm specifically talking about with Kylo? Uh, Would it be the Force bridge between him and Rey? Yes. The visions that they shared Mm -hmm. together where they were kind of like in the Force bubble, I guess. Right. Okay. Actively even like 
supposedly even touching hands at one point. Okay, sure. Yeah, supposedly they do touch hands, right? And and mm-hmm. and we learn in the red room scene according to Snoke it was him. Right? Right. And while you go, "Oh, that totally makes sense. Snoke is fucking supreme leader. He's ultra powerful." Duh. Then at the end of the movie, it happens again. True. And Snoke is dead. Yeah. Um, and I only, always chalk and there's that only up to... one person tapped in, and again, it's it's Solo, Ben Solo. So right, I mean, I chalked it up to just the bridge being created and not being destroyed. I just kind of chalked that up as to once it was there, it just wasn't going away, as opposed to something that Snoke had to maintain. But either way, okay. I mean, I like that too, and I think that's a really uh, a really smart way to look at it because it does make sense that once he kind of like shows you that force bridges like this can be made. You know, you can't burn force bridges. Well, I mean, it's essentially the it's the scar trope from Harry Potter. Oh, it's yeah, okay. the yeah, it's the he's seeing his opponent's mind whether they want to or not, and it's just something that's there now. It's reality now. So I guess to come back to it, and this is even more confusing. Do you think Snoke was not even real, possibly? No, I do, um, simply because you have uh, guys like Hux talking to him. Um, you have, there's too many people interacted with him for him to be just a force projection oh, at all times. Shit. Like, there's there's so many people that interacted with him, or that, I mean, Luke knew him. Luke referenced Snoke directly in Last Jedi a few times. Snoke had already gotten to Ben, something of his actual words. Yeah, so, you're right, you're right. Yeah, Snoke had to have been an actual person. Okay, so that gets debunked. Okay, I, I read that theory. We killed that one off. Can't happen. Uh, next theory. Do you think that Snoke is a is a clone of somebody? What is his? What do you think his origin is? I don't think you and I have ever discussed possible origins I have my theory. Of, uh, of Snoke here. I have my theory, and I think it's actually, I doubt it's mine exclusively, but um, there is a precedent in the old, uh, which is now, I guess, Legends canon, the original Expanded Universe canon, where the Emperor had himself cloned many times over, and more than a few of them went just completely cuckoo, um, oh. even by empirical standards, even by the Emperor's standards. Um and there's precedent there if they want to go back and mine that for, or even twist that for new details and new stories. There's precedence for him being a failed clone of the Emperor. Like if the Emperor, you know, had a bunch of his himself cloned, you know, just stashed away on whatever planet, Camino or whatever rain-soaked planet you see them fighting on, um, it stands to reason that one of them could have gone completely corrupted, like physically as well as emotionally, mentally, and that could account for all the scarring you see on Snoke. So I I do think there's a legitimate chance that they could go down the route of Snoke being a failed clone of the Emperor or a uh, corrupted clone of the Emperor. Um, it just depends on how much they want to draw from existing storyline stuff, I guess. Uh, it's for interesting because I'm pretty sure Tyler and I had brought up the possibility of him being a clone last week as well. So right. we're all on the same page. It seems like he right. could be a clone. I just thought of something just in this moment while I was listening to you speak on your theory of why he could be a clone and, and, and going back to the the text of the expanded universe in the past and, and, and what was canon and things they can and cannot pull from. Right. 
you know, how do I word this? Let me see. So, you know, ooh, if they do this right, okay, and they can make it an intelligently woven story, <laughs> it's very possible Rise of Skywalker could, in some really interesting kind of back channely seeming way, make Attack of the Clones a very important movie. Okay. Because why would the Emperor think about cloning himself, bro? Well, uh, my guess would be because he still hasn't found the way to live forever. Well, well, okay, I vibe you there. More. But yeah. more than that, it's because he's found somebody that can even make clones properly in the Caminos. That's true. So you have the Camino race that is doing this clone thing with the the Django Fets, right? Mm-hmm. And his constant uh, reproduction through all the Clone Wars. So he's already, I mean, the deal was made with Sidious, essentially. I mean, right. he is the influencer in all of the plays he that the make that, set that the whole happen. Thing up, yeah. So he he's already in on cloning. Mm-hmm. He's already in on the dark side of the force, so you're you're probably very fucking right, man. His thought is, I can't live forever. I need to find some way to keep this going if we want to have ultimate power, because then we're unstoppable. You know, uh, it's in uh, it's Revenge of the Sith where he talks about the, the 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 tale of Darth Plagueis the Wise, right? Yes. You know, he says that Darth Plagueis found the secret to immortality, but he never really discloses what that fact is. And the implication is that Palpatine knows that secret, whether or not he tells Luke at that or tells uh, Anakin at that moment. I'm wondering if the, you know, it could be that the secret was not making yourself immortal, you know, just literally. It is projecting your Force Ghost into a clone's body. Oh, there you go. Actually, another quick, quick question, and while we're on the subject of Camino. Sure. Uh, on the Mandalorian, has the doctor uh, that the uh, that Mando was uh, acquired the the child from Doctor Pershing? Uh, in the yes. yes, Doctor Pershing. Uh, is it confirmed he was from Camino? I know there was a theory about it, but I hadn't heard if there was actually confirmation on that. There has not yet been confirmation. I think that the hard issue is that it's almost impossible not to see the patch on his right arm and right. not associate it with Camino because it's. Like, literally, I'm pretty sure it's their sigil. So, right. it's super subtle, and it's one of those things that, as of right now, and and, and in a beautiful fucking bow, here we go, because we've also got this Wednesday coming up, before we get Rise of Skywalker, a tie-in lead-in episode somehow, mm-hmm. I don't understand, but sure, it's of the, the Mandalorian. Well, it's, the penultim- it's the penultimate episode of The Mandalorian, yeah. And it's the second um, to last episode. Now. Yeah. Here's the thing: uh, if that is in fact a Camino sigil on his arm, the fact that they are wanting to rush that that penultimate episode right before the tie-in or right before the Rise of Skywalker, maybe they're going back to that. Oh, per- Doctor Pershing. Maybe that is establishing that yeah, Camino is still a thing. Because if that is a Camino and sigil that either establishes that Camino is still around, like the cloners are still around in the time frame of the Mandalorian, 
which would lead right into the time frame of the new trilogy, uh, or that their technology is still being used by someone who is obsessive over it. So maybe Pershing and whatever faction that he is with, maybe the um, the splinter cell of the Empire that Werner Herzog's character is part of, maybe that has something to do with the uh, new uh, reborn Emperor or, or the Emperor that we're hearing in the trailers for uh, Rise of Skywalker. Or triple alternately, and this might blow your mind whole too. So we got this tie-in episode, and you're like trying to figure it out. What if the episode of the Mandalorian coming up, that's that's episode seven, the penultimate episode, is about the reason why they needed the child's DNA, which could in the well timeline be. could be perfect for putting into a clone that would become Snoke. You know, I hadn't thought about. Snoke, are you like saying Snoke as a possible failed clone of the child? Not necessarily that he's a failed clone of just the child, but they but, uh, realize in order to, they're yeah. they're 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 trying to clone the, the emperor. It's not fucking working. At this point, he is seemingly dead. We'll just do the air quotes of seemingly dead, okay? Because you're not confirmed. And then you know they realize that if they could find Yoda's live forever-ish DNA, which Yoda's dead, right? and put it into this clone, maybe its DNA would configure in such a manner to keep this being living and have the longevity of Yoda's species. You know, I wouldn't put it past uh, the Emperor to have not only cloned himself, but have a chimera of, like, the perfect Force user attempt to clone for him. Except for when the Jedi and the Sith blood mix to make Snoke who he is, it fucks him up, and that's why he's all decrepit. Could be. It could be the fact that it's just that pure of a dark side taint that it's just uh, ravaging him physically immediately. Oh, yes. Also that. The one the one curiosity, I, I didn't even realize this or notice it until I rewatched Last Jedi earlier this week, actually. Um, the first time you see Snoke in Force Awakens, he's just the hologram. So... He is like 20 times the size of Kylo Ren in that first image that you see of him. But because it's a hologram, you don't really think too much about it. It makes sense. The uh, The giant disembodied head of the Emperor in Empire Strikes Back is also huge. But when you see him in, in uh, Last Jedi, he is visibly bigger than both Rey and Kylo Ren. Like his head is three times their size. Oh, and his hand, so, too, is giant on yeah. Ray's face. Like, he is, like, it would be an odd clone to be that much, like, physically more imposing. Or, not even imposing, but physically larger. Seems odd. Could I, there be a third DNA added that we aren't even thinking could possibly be how he gets taller? Dude, you nailed it. He's part Wookiee. <laughs> ah, that would be hilarious. <laughs> no, I honestly, I have no idea. Um... The only thing I'm really kind of afraid of, and I keep coming back to this every time I think about uh, Rise of Skywalker, um, the fan backlash to Last Jedi uh, was so great, and then they eventually went back to J.J. Abrams as the director uh, rather than, uh, I believe it was Colin Trevor originally. Yep. I'm I'm legitimately worried that they're going to try to retcon out some of the stuff they established in Last Jedi. Like, I have this, this nagging 
fear that they're going to, oh, no, Ray's parents are actually somebody. Or, you know, Snoke doesn't really have that much of a backstory. We, we killed him off because we don't really need him. So, on one hand, I'm excited for it, but I'm a little worried about them trying to compensate for the backlash to Last Jedi by retconning a little bit of stuff out of it. So I'm I wondering don't if, we may, if Snoke may not even be a factor in the new role, the new movie. See, I don't think that... Okay. I don't think J.J. is the kind of guy that just goes on a retcon spree to kind of make things quote-unquote right. Because if True. he does that, okay, let's just, let's just go down the path. They decide... Oh, fan backlash was horrible in the first 30 seconds of Last Jedi, or in the first 30 seconds of Rise of Skywalker, we'll kill fucking Rose, and we're going to, you know, undo all the things that were done in the last movie, essentially, in some fucking weird manifest destiny way. It just illegitimizes The Last Jedi and literally taints the entire series, okay? Not disagreeing with you at all. So I'm going to read something to you. Sure. And I'll read a couple little things here. I don't know if you saw it on my Facebook I posted talking about uh, The Last Jedi when I was watching it the other night. And I just, one of my favorite quotes in the whole movie is from Rose. And she says, this is after crashing into Finn's uh, little cruiser ship on his suicide mission. That's how we're going to win. Not by fighting what we hate, but saving what we love. And I was just like, oh, that's super powerful, you know. It's a great line. And, of course, you got people, no, that character was trash, nope, 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 and just being shitty and all this shit, and trying to, like, say it's a forced romance, saying it was lame and all this shit, forced and badly written character, you know, and, like, all these people are talking, and I didn't say a fucking thing, like, almost all night. So then, yesterday, I thought about it, and this is what I wrote. So this goes to anybody on the internet, by the way, this is not just... To my people. So, to all of you drinking the Haterade, a bit of empathy can go a long way. Now, let's break down Rose a little more. She is reeling when we meet her, having just lost her sister, the at this time the bravest woman in the galaxy, all for there to be very little gain from her sacrifice. Uh, sure, Rose's sister's death uh, caused the destruction of the Dreadnought and all, but still, you know, through the movie, that the team... And the rebels are being tracked. Rose meets Finn, who is the opposite of Rose's sister, and actually, in a really interesting manner, just on the other side of finding out her sister sacrificed herself. So they, through their jaunt to Canto Bite and everything they endure together, uh, sure, Rose falls in love with Finn because she sees, and I didn't write this, this is just added conjecture. She sees in Finn a hero who is willing to do everything, even an impossible mission, to make everyone safer. And the universe needs more people like that. Not just her, the universe. So going back to this little thing I wrote, I'm almost done here. Uh, Sure, she even realizes that she can't live the short amount of time she may have left in the galaxy without him there. And that... Another sacrifice, which, if he hits that battering ram, what does it really do for the Rebels other than kill the fuck out of Finn? Uh, His sacrifice would mean even less because there would also be an unresolved Ray Finn thing or storyline that would have driven everybody even more nuts. That's true. Go ahead. I said that's completely fair. Like, 
I'm I'm not a huge fan of the romance. Um, I don't mind Rose's character itself. I thought it would have been fine without having to add the romance to it, but I don't mind them doing it either. Um, and I think you're right. I think that if they'd had... Well, what's the best way to put it? You have to have a payoff for Rose being in there, and that was you know, kind of bringing uh, Finn back to the heroic side of it when he was not necessarily running away, but he was kind of going off without thinking. Um, Correct. So she is the reason that Finn is kind of realizing who he is as a character, um, not just for saving his friends, but uh, where he fits in the whole role or in the whole uh, storyline. Absolutely. So, I, mean, I think she's necessary for Finn's character. Is, you know, some people were hating on Canto Bite. It was a stupid force scene. They went out of nowhere and left and did all this shit. Like, could have went anywhere in the galaxy. You know, the importance of that Canto Bite scene comes down to this. The whole point of that one sequence is for Finn, who has been on both sides of the aisle. First a stormtrooper, now a rebel. Rose, who just lost her sister in a tragic death. To see, they've been fighting a fight, and it doesn't matter because these rich people are just getting richer, and more of them are dying. And I love that because like an allegory for the times right. we currently live in. Like, actually, uh, I on I want to say it was Friday, uh, I had a conversation with a former roommate of mine, good buddy of mine, um, who I don't get to talk to very often, and the two of us were just going, diving deep on Last Jedi. And uh, he was telling me that he actually had come into uh, finding... Somebody had sent it to him. He's supposed to be sending them to me. They are fan edits of the trilogy that just, like, cut out certain things. Like, I guess they uh, they cut out the whole... Um, a lot of the romance out of Attack of the Clones. They cut out um, some of the, like, more superfluous things, like the Jabba scene in, that was added back into uh, New Hope. Um and in the Last Jedi edit, it kept the Canto bite scene, but it cut out the horse chase thing. Yeah. He says, honestly, it's it. you keep the same things. You keep that casino. You keep the uh, corruption and people seeing that there are people just profiteering off of both sides. And that this war has to end in order for them to be able to create a peace. They can't just you know win the war. They have to end the war. So, I mean, yep. Canto Bight plays a very vital role in seeing that in the development for both their characters. It just it overstays its welcome by having that the horse scene that's kind of well, very much unnecessary, at least. Um, the chase scene, which was just an added action scene that didn't really need to be there. But like, there's the, the, the people that hate uh, Last Jedi, and I got into this with a few of my friends on Facebook a couple days ago as well, is Last Jedi a perfect movie? No. There's there's some tonal shifts to it. There's some big messes in it. Like I said, the there's some superfluous things in there. I don't really care for having the the little kid at the end, you know, with the the ring. It just seems really unnecessary. Um but Last Jedi does in my mind exactly what The Force Awakens should have done. It was a fresh start. Like, the the fact that you end Last Jedi on a, not necessarily just a cliffhanger, but you've gotten rid of Snoke, you've gotten rid of the big bad guy, you have a villain now in Kylo Ren that is completely unpredictable. 
and you have your savior is gone in Luke. Um, Ray may be a Mary Sue, but she's not completely. She's shown herself to not be completely light side either. Um, so you have someone who's got a little bit of moral ambiguity that is your your new savior. Uh, you have the rebels that are literally down to their last shred, down to the last few hundred people on their last surviving ship with very few of their allies in the Outer Rim uh, responding to them. So they are starting from the ground up. You have the fresh slate that needed to come with, uh, excuse me, with The Force Awakens, but didn't get. So... To me, Last Jedi, warts and all, is one of the more important movies in the whole series. Ooh, nice lobby to me, because I was about to just say, after we see Rise of Skywalker, okay, Last Jedi will be, in my opinion, the most pivotal movie in the entire saga. I can agree with that very easily. Because I I feel like J.J.'s going to be able to take all the little threads that were left from Ryan Johnson and the story that Disney and them told, not just... Mm -hmm one person telling the story it was right. a team who has longevity and they're still members to, regardless of who's directing okay right and say okay so we've got all these threads all these possibilities you got the 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 love story thing with uh finn and rose you've got ray on her own mission and it kind of seems like she's headed directly for kylo ren you've got poe who has now become essentially general leader fucking yeah. dameron okay well, he's he he has the best arc in the whole movie Absolutely. he's the one that actually has growth and i think they're gonna look at all those things and some of the things people didn't like some of the things people didn't like and did like and when we get the answers to the questions the finality we know for sure this is how star wars is being wrapped up we're gonna be like holy shit that was fucking brilliant what they did in last jedi it was a it was a complete swerve to get our brains malleable and ready to take in this new information that's going to be this final movie that's going to absolutely blow mm-hmm. our minds. When was the last time that you watched uh, the best the best compliment that I can give for Last Jedi? I'm not going to say it's a perfect movie. I never will. I don't think it's a, even the best movie in the series by any means. I will say it's one of the more important ones because. When was the last time, other than Empire Strikes Back, you watched a Star Wars movie and left thinking, man, all bets are off. What's going to happen? You know, you leave, uh, you know, Phantom Menace, you leave uh, Clone Wars, even last, Je- even uh, Revenge of the Sith, you have an idea of what's coming next. Like, you have, when you leave Phantom Menace, you know that we're going to get the maturity of Anakin into Vader. When you leave the uh, attack the clones, you're you're going to go into the Clone Wars one way or the other, and we're going to have the rise of Vader from that. You know, you leave Revenge of the Sith knowing full well what's going to happen because you know what happens after Revenge of the Sith ends. Um, New Hope is a self-contained story. Uh, Return of the Jedi was essentially meant to end the series as it stood. So, there has never been a point other than. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, where you are meant to be left with a sense of not dread or uh, tension, but not knowing, okay, I need to get back here to see what happens next, because for the first time, I can't predict it. And that is that is huge for Star Wars. Absolutely. I, I mean, 
I think the last time people didn't know what to expect from Star Wars was the original trilogy. I agree with that. Because there was a mysticism about it. It was still new. A new hope. You don't know what's coming next. You didn't even know if there was going to be another fucking Star Wars movie for right. sure. Well, like I said, it's, just, it's a self-contained story in its own yeah, way. Very much so. Like, okay, well, they saved the galaxy that one time, and that was it. The end. Right. You don't have to have anything else. No more conjecture. No more questions. No more what could have happened. So, to talk about what could happen in Rise of Skywalker, I want to make a couple last-second predictions here. I think that Rey and whoever is going to go on with her on the Millennium Falcon are essentially going to go back to wherever remnants of Death Star 2 landed, whatever planet. Ooh, yeah, you've pretty much seen that in the trailer already. The, I think the last lightsaber duel with her and, and Kylo, wherever it's raining so heavily, that's on the remnants of like the debris of the Death Star. Absolutely, and 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 to 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 kind of continue in on that, it's also possible that this is where the emperor has been running his base of operations since the empire fell. I mean, if it's the that's where his remains would be if there are any remains. Supposedly, I mean, and and if um, okay, so then oh, what if it's his force ghost that's just been there, his dead body is there, and he is just telling people like essentially what to do. Could be. Could that very could well be, be interesting. Um, um, as far as like predictions, I I'm going to say that this could be the next uh, Rogue One where you start seeing characters dropping left and right. I was actually just going to ask: Are there any characters you believe there's there's obviously an obvious one that won't survive the movie? But um, are there any characters you think will not survive this film? Uh, I can think of one, and you and I just mentioned him a couple minutes ago. I don't think Poe survives it. Really? Really. Because okay. uh, he's uh, Oscar Isaac has gone on record saying he has no intention of playing that character again. Okay. And uh, right now, the way Disney Plus is, I think they want to... Whoever survives is going to be the people who they want to make series based on. So I don't think that... Or I'm not even saying survives, but whoever has an open storyline going forward or doesn't have their storyline closed by the end of this movie uh, are the ones they want to push through a series leading up to whatever the next trilogy is in years down the road. And Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, and uh, Oscar Isaac have all pretty much said that they don't really have any intention of coming back to these roles. So I think you see the wrap-up of Ray's character. I think you see the wrap-up of Finn's character get a happy ever, happily ever after for probably both of them but i'm i'm going to bet that if anybody is going to fall on the sword it's probably going to be poe okay i can see that um what if they kill ray not to say that i'm a ray hater i know there's a lot of people drink the ray hater aid but like would that ultimate sacrifice of her her play the fact that she went from essentially a junker on jaku who was a nobody to now possibly the strongest force user that we've seen since fucking Luke or Yoda. Um, I don't think they kill her off. Um, mostly because Disney, I don't see Disney killing off what is essentially a Disney princess. Um, okay. But also because, um, I'm not going to say I'm specifically a Ray hater. I think she's incredibly bland, other than the fact that she isn't completely pure light side. 
but character-wise, especially if they don't revisit her parents being somebody, then she has really two possible endings, one of which is, you know, dying to destroy the uh, the First Order, and one is, you know, becoming the new Luke and being the new Jedi trainer. And I think that the idea of uh, the la- in Last Jedi where uh, Yoda says to pass on what you've learned and the Jedi are not meant to me- end here, the fact that she still has the texts, I feel like she is going to pass on what she's learned in her own like new school Jedi. So I don't think she's going to continue to essentially die. I think she'll ride, ride off into the sunset and be the new Luke. You know, the hermit that teaches she'll probably set up on the same freaking island. Ooh, I like that. Except for those fish people don't like her. Yeah, well, she time keeps making mistakes wounds. and pissing them off. Time heals all wounds. Yeah, you're right, though. Uh, I can see I, uh, Chewie retiring and raising a pork farm with her or something. I was actually going to say, I think Chewie is a death that can almost be certain. Yeah, you you and uh, you and Tyler hit on this last episode. Just, uh, his death in the books is so great that I don't know if there's anything they're going to do on screen that's going to top it. Well, no, I agree with you. However, I feel like... Okay, let me word it down here. You only have so many people left that OG fans, the people that made Star Wars what it was way back, uh, they care about. Right. And those are the people you're still trying to convince because a lot of the millennial era of people love these new Star Wars movies, honestly. No, you're you're very actually, very true. So um, how do you hit them? Are you going to kill off Lando? Okay, well, we've only seen Lando one other time in the entire universe, not counting Solo. He's not that impactful. Do you mm-hmm. kill 3PO? It seems like say, that's the route your, they're going, but maybe they swerve I, us on I that I think fact. that's the route they're going, yeah. You know, it looks like that's the route we're going, but maybe, again, it's it's a swerve to, to just throw us off the scent because Disney is very good about doing that, adding scenes that aren't even in the film and things of that nature just to keep people not certain what you're going to see. They know people right. are going to go see Star Wars regardless of what's in the movie trailer. I could see... I could see them killing off Chewie if they want to give closure to the solo name because that will have been Leia, Han, and Chewie all died. Yep. Which we um, haven't even discussed Leia's death, which is inevitable, right? I mean... Right. That's honestly... It was the only... was the... Leia not dying in Last Jedi is one of the few things about Last Jedi that I absolutely disliked. Um, before they... Had, and I... I'm kind of warming to it now because they've announced that they're going to use uh, deleted footage of her to reinsert her into the movie. But before they had announced that, I thought, well, you are you going to kill her off screen? What are you doing? And if you kill her off screen, that's the worst possible thing you could have done. So I I was initially very much against her surviving all of Last Jedi, but I'm I'm kind of warming to the idea now. It's like I almost wish they would have had her daughter and some CGI magic right have Leia take the place of uh General Holdo for the battle. You know that would have been pretty cool. That would have been pretty cool, yes. Because it would have held huge fucking weight. Leia's like yeah, it would no, have. I'll go down with the ship. And you're it just would like, have <gasps> Air would have been um, sucked out of the room, dude. But I don't write Star Wars movies. That's why I'm doing a podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's I, I, I'm pretty sure we can mark 3PO off of this at this point. 
I think he's pretty well done. I think, uh, didn't you mention before that Anthony Daniels isn't very happy with the fact that his character's probably dying off? Um, I could see Chewie. I think Poe is probably the, the hero that goes down with the ship in this one. Um, especially after seeing what Holdo did. I could see him kind of that being his homage to her. I like that. But, yeah. A Poe death would be super, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Impactful as well, because he's the first new character we met when we saw Force Awakens. Right. right. Like, he's the guy whose story introduces us back into this universe, and we see, I mean, I will never, ever in my life forget that blaster shot mm-hmm. that just gets held in stasis by Kylo the entirety of that moment. Yep. I have to say that um, I'm looking forward to Rise of Skywalker not just because of you know the culmination of the whole series to this point and everything that it is going to mean, but the new series, uh, Kylo Ren is one of the most, if not the most interesting character in this entire Star Wars saga to me. He's one of the most developed and... Um, three-dimensional I think characters in the whole series and I love him for it. I'm, I'm happy that that to get another movie with him I'm interested in where his story ends up like do we get him going good guy Vader-esque does he embrace the dark side fully and end up dying like the Emperor mm-hmm. I'm not really sure where they're going to take him like it, it's kind of a, a grab bag of uncertainty at this point now I don't know if you heard this or not but did you hear this like undercurrent rumor that a lot of the industry people have been discussing what's up there's already in complete silence they have done this another disney plus star wars show that will be debuting soon you mean outside of uh mandalorian and the obi-wan show correct if you're gonna tell me that there's a show that they're planning about kylo ren take my money now well i don't know my money now let me further elaborate i'm not sure who the story is about but you said something a few minutes ago, coupled with my thoughts and this news that I know, that make my brain go, oh, yeah, exactly. Because you said, well, anybody who survives this one is most likely going to get set up to be involved in some sort of series on Disney+. Plus. So when I hear this rumor that in 2020 summer, they will be dropping a surprise new Star Wars show on Disney+. Plus that hasn't previously been announced and you mention the new people, the people from the new trilogy being kind of carried over into that world, but bingo rise of Skywalker hits a fucking home run. And then in the summer you get to drop more story. Could be, you already have everybody there filming like how hard uh, literally it is the perfect fucking move. You know, it'd be kind of interesting to me if uh, just complete conjecture here at this point, but Let's say that uh, they go the route of uh, Ray redeems uh, Ben Solo by the end of the movie, or at least turns him away from the dark side, and he doesn't. He survives the movie. Maybe you don't have the series, you know, following Ray and her new school of Jedi, but you could have, you know, Kylo Ren, uh, his redemption arc of becoming Ben Solo again. Ooh, his path to redemption and his evolution to becoming a gray Jedi. That's my prediction. And you know, oh, 
sometime, uh, here's your tagline. If they do this, again, complete speculation and conjecture from me, but if they go the route of 2020, we have a Kylo Ren show that's all about him, you know, making up for his past deeds and, you know, rediscovering the man he was meant to be. You know what the tagline for the show is? Kylo Nomo. Let the past die. Kill it if you have to. Oh. He's killing off his past as Kylo Ren. Yes, and that cuts back to the last Jedi Red Room scene. Yep, where he is, he is arguing. And really, uh, one of my friends pointed this out to me, that his line, that line, is a just complete picture of what Last Jedi is meant to be. Mm-hmm. It is let go of what you thought Star Wars was, what Star Wars was in the past, and embrace what's coming forward with it. The change, this this new blank slate of Last Jedi, kill the past Star Wars, let it die if you have to, or let the past die, kill the past Star Wars if you have to, embrace what's coming forward. Embrace Absolutely. what you were meant to be. Bro. <laughs> you nail it with that I, I i just like i'm thinking about it and it's just it's perfect and i have to i have to uh, give a shout out and credit to my boy michael felton for that one uh one of my best friends and one guy i used to i grew up with and uh one of my one of the biggest star wars nerds i know so he's the one that dropped that one on me so i have to give a little shout out for that one you'll have to tell him to listen to this episode now because i absolutely michael felton you've been <laughs> shouted out absolutely will shout out on jic that doesn't happen often uh real quick um before we go on to anything else, Star Wars, I had something I wanted. I don't know if I gotten to send to you and Tyler. Um, did you see the most recent poster for Rise of Skywalker? I don't think so. Because it is, it is that nerd's chef's kiss. Um, the most recent poster has it's kind of a reddish background with the giant uh, reconstituted helmet of Kylo Ren up in the top and background, and in the bottom uh, foreground. You have a lightsaber duel between Ray and essentially Ray and Kylo Ren, with the logo on the bottom. You know, Rise of Skywalker coming twenty twenty or twenty uh, December twenty nineteen. Now, the reason it's important, put it side to side with another former poster for a movie that never got made. It is the exact poster. You swap out Luke and Vader for Ray and Kylo. You swap out the Kylo Ren helmet for Vader. It is the original poster for Revenge of the Jedi. Which was the original working title of uh, Return of the Jedi. If I can find that link, I will send it to you. It is beautiful. Yes, please do. Because I'm seeing some of these these different posters they've released. The experience in an IMAX poster is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's got like Kylo's head at the top, and then it's also Luke's face, and it's also Leia's face, and it's also the sun. It's like they're kind of like morphed into one. If I could find it, I will send it to you momentarily. Sure, please do send it via messenger. Um, I will say, do we want to go from uh, Rise of the Skywalker into the most recent Mandalorian? You goddamn right, bro. Nice segue. The Prisoner, Episode Six. Break it down to me, bro. What did you think? Well, uh, I loved it. I honestly, it was my uh, my favorite episode since uh, the sins, uh, which I believe is the third episode. The uh, the Mandalorian cavalry. 
Um, not, not in the sense that it's the, it's not the greatest of storyline developments or anything, but just flavorfully. God, what a, this is the first episode since uh, really that um, the assault on the Imperial uh, little little uh, cell that you see Mando as just a badass. Um, like he is, as soon as you see him uh, come up with the new uh, mercenaries, they're talking about him like he's a legend. You know, we talked about back in the day. This is how. Oh man, this guy did so many cool things, and then. You go from that to uh, all the other mercenaries kind of sizing him up and not, you know, not expecting too much, and then he just murks the uh, infantry droids or the prison droids in this great action scene. Yeah, um, that was that was pretty early in the episode here. Uh, quickly, I want to run down the cast of characters. There were only seven major players in this whole episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty small. You had Ran, who is the guy that they meet when they land. And then his crew was Mayfeld, which was essentially the number two commander. Berg, who was their muscle man. Zero, who's like the expert and pilot. Uh, Xi'an, who was like their assassin master. I'm not really sure what right. her role was other than to just Being be fodder. But... And then the prisoner, who was Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and like all all of them very well cast. Even though I'm kind of with Tyler in that I did not like either the Twi'leks. Thought they were both really hammy. They were. Um, I wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of feel the same. They both, uh, Shion and Quinn, kind of. I don't know if it was the color palette they chose for them or what, but it just they weren't doing it for me. The the makeup was a little odd because they were both kind of kind of bland, you know, like kind of pasty both ways, but like pastel honestly, pink. The, yes, and then pastel like blue, wasn't it for the the male? Oh, yep. Mhm. But like the the actress playing the female was just so over the top. And like just that scene shooing cheesiness that was like, oh, okay, I, I'm hoping you die and not because you're a bad guy. I just want you to not be on my screen. Get off my screen. Um, I liked uh, Bill Burr as the, as I, you just gave me his name a moment ago and I can't remember it. Mayfeld. Um, Mayfeld. I did like him. Um, I liked the Deveronian. Um, I thought it was kind of cool to have him as the muscle and just, uh, the couple scenes where he takes on uh, some of the larger droids just by tossing them around. The turret droid, yeah, he just like yep. body slams that one. You're just like, oh, okay, that's why he's the muscle. Um, another satisfying death where Mando kind of recreates the door from the very first episode. Um, tries to do that same trick on him, and then that doesn't work, so he drops the security door on him instead. Um, you have the amazing scene when he uh, kills Mayfeld with that strobe light in the hallway and just like stalking him. That was Coming awesome right because he's him. just out yeah. of nowhere, in, out, in, out, in, out. Boof. So, and they did it in almost like a perfect, like, it was almost like a perfect horror sequence, actually. Actually, that leads right, it was my next comment, was the, uh, from the point where they uh, all got trapped under the ship 
and what was going on in the in the Razor Crest between uh, Baby Yoda and uh, Zero reminded me of Alien. Yes. Uh, you have this one like they're they're sectioned off into the different parts of the ship. They can't all get. They can't escape. They can't get away, and they're all running away from this one thing that is just picking them off one by one. Ugh. Uh, it's funny because I I rewatched the the episode yesterday and took notes and like wrote down shit that I didn't write down mm-hmm. when I first had my initial watch. And what I do when I write notes for these kind of shows is I just write like a couple lines. Not even necessarily of dialogue, but just like the general synopsis of how the story was going. So, example, the first thing that I wrote was the plan, because that's what we get. But then later, I've got, uh, we met that security guard guy with the whole tracking beacon section. Mm-hmm. We find out his name His name is Davin, and I wrote, Davin dead, beacon alive. <laughs> yep. Because he... he, he, he pushes the beacon and then we had the prisoner and the betrayal which is where they go to release uh quinn and the the mercenaries betray mando and throw him into the cell and there's a there's a great line from quinn right there too or it's like the man who betrayed me is the one who saves me or something there's a there's history with them too yeah and you're just like oh so good and in that moment honestly when mando gets like trapped in the cell at first i was like Fuck! The child is on the Razor Crest. They're gonna take off. Oh yeah! Um, so many bad things were in my head, and then like, oh yes, just, you know, he just said, uh, "Hold on, let me just fuck up this droid." It's like, oh no, you you <laughs> you pissed off Mama Bear. <laughs> no. Yeah, and he goes um, to the con- he goes to the control panel and like put the whole prison on lockdown. Yep. And that was a pretty cool scene where he was like shutting the fucking barricades to essentially force where they had to go. Mm-hmm. I wrote Mayfeld versus Mando versus Strobe. Yep. <laughs> uh, I mean, meanwhile, you have uh, while this awesome this you know super soldier is going through and picking people apart. You have back on the Razor Crest, uh, the droid who is you know smarter stronger, better, faster than everything else is now stalking Baby Yoda. Yeah, first he loses the comms, which I think right. is, a, is Yoda's play, or do you think that was Mando's that play? Was, no, that was Mando's. Okay, I, 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 that was like a little bit of conjecture that didn't get resolved in a line, or I didn't quite see, so it was like... Eh. I felt pretty sure that was Mando's. But uh, I, may be I wrote, wrong, but I felt Zero that. Firo the Child... Honestly, the best scene, and there's a lot of good, like, one-off shots or scenes. The cinematography in this episode was great. But that last image of when he opens the door and there's Baby Yoda sitting right there in front of him, raises his hand, and you're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Then the droid is destroyed, and Yoda, Baby Yoda looks at his hand like, did, 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 I, did I do that? Nope. Did, did I kill him? <laughs> Oh God! He th- and Baby Yoda absolutely thought he shot the dude in the head with his hand. Okay. <laughs> oh, it was uh, it was awesome because Zero goes down. Then they return the Razor Crest to where Ran is, and they give up Quinn. He's like, "Where's the rest of the crew?" And Mando says, I'm "Not supposed to ask questions, right?" Yep, right. that's the deal. Here's the pay, and they go to take off, and then Ran does kind of the betrayal thing. 
again. Like mm-hmm. Mando is getting betrayed twice in this fucking episode where he Rand says kill him. And well, they get this he's ship got, out ready to kill him. You got to think he's got one of the bigger bounties on him in the known galaxy at this point. Maybe the so, biggest, I mean, it's, actually. Because he has that? not just himself now that is a bounty, um, yeah. most likely, but the child who is still... Right. <clears throat> right. Most likely um, being hunted by the Empire, I would assume. And the Bounty Guild, and everything else, you know? Yeah. He's running out of... not. Only, he's already run out of places to go, but... Seems like other than the the couple of allies he's made in Cara Dune and then in the uh, the mechanic whose name I can't remember from the last episode, um, other than those two like small allies, he's running out of people to go to. He has like short of taking the child back to whatever's left of his enclave. There's no one left for him to turn to. He's just full on on the run. You're talking about um, the mechanic Pelly from last episode, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I did want to ask, uh, bring up a little point that I kind of wonder. I again mentioned Baby Yoda, like raising his hand to do something. We don't really know what he had planned for the droid, whether he was going to kind of force toss him like he did the Mudhorn in Episode Two, or if he had something further in mind. But he didn't raise that hand in defense. Like he didn't raise that hand as a protecting of himself. He raises that hand almost as in a offensive capability yeah he's I'm he's like wonder, i'm protecting myself don't fuck with me well i'm and, beginning to wonder if being around mando is starting to rub off on him <laughs> oh i'm if sure it is kidding. well i mean like he's starting to he's been around mando he's how many gunfights now lots you know how many how much he was I'm, a part of know, one of the coolest gunfights in star wars in. history come on now right like ever since mando's picked him up it's been nothing but gunfights from the guy who's protecting you so maybe we're getting a little, uh, you know, Leon the Protector or uh, Leon the Professional, where the the kids starting to take after him a little bit and wanting to be more like him. Yeah, you know, you, you, I like we that. We could see in in a few, uh, say we have a series twenty, thirty, forty years down the road, you could have Yo- Baby Yoda, the new bounty hunter. Oh, <laughs> that would be the titties. Oh Would that not God. be amazing? He's a hundred years old. Yep, and he's only a teenager. <laughs> yeah, he's not five foot. He's three feet tall, and he's gonna kick the shit out of you. No, yeah, I. Uh, he I, it's he, just he uses a blaster that's bigger than he is. Well, like you got to think that there's some there's some um, not really even lore or I guess mystique might be the right word with the creature of Yoda's race being strong in the Force. That maybe, and we had Yaddle as another one from Episode 1 that that was strong in the Force as well from that same race. Is his race just naturally inclined to the light side of the Force? Are they just naturally all strong Force users? We you don't mean know. You Yoda's baby it. mama? I, who knows? I think so. It would, line up, it would line up chronologically, but I'm not throwing that out there. I don't want to think about that one too much. You don't want to think um, about the seagulls playing while Yoda's getting it on. Uh, well, we know he's at. We know from. Uh, <laughs> well, I think you have your episode title right there. <laughs> I would also think that uh, we know he's athletic enough based on the uh, the fight scene from uh, Attack of the Clones. We know he's not exactly. He's fairly limber. 
Yeah, he he still got it going on. He can move around <laughs> in the bedroom. I wonder what that's like. Do they like fuck like they like they lightsaber fight? That'd be crazy. Ugh. Just bounce all around the fucking room and just like whenever it goes in, it's cool. It's like whoa, we made it. Nice. Or well, is it you're never gonna look at that? Frank Oz the same. We're talking way. about Yoda sex here, folks. We've gone off the deep end. <laughs> I come on for one show. This is where we go. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um. There was one other thing. Uh, actually, I just remembered this. Uh, I did get the link for you for the poster for uh, Rise of Skywalker. Sweet. Um, Send it over. already got it sent to you. Um, there was one other thing that I, uh, I saw a headline for, that two-minute clip that you mentioned earlier, where uh, Kylo's speaking with all the voices or hearing voices or whatnot. Um, I haven't watched the clip, but at the headline that I read, uh, supposedly there's like a statue or something behind him at some point. And on. if you look close enough at it, it looks like Darth Nihilus from the uh, Knights of the Old Republic games. Really? Yes. Ooh. And, you know, I've been a Star Wars geek my whole life, but if there is any credence, whether or not that is to a Disney Plus show or to a movie or a movie series, if they can give me anything resembling Knights of the Old Republic... In a cinematic way, I will. I will give you my wallet. Take my my debit card. Take my credit card. You have free license to all of my money. Not just like, take my money. Take all of my money. Take everything I have. Like <laughs> I sign want Kotor. Me the fuck up. Yes. Also, love the poster for Rise of Skywalker. Isn't that great? Sent, that's the reference Is that to the not Revenge the of the Jedi. That's awesome. Uh, I may need to have that. I need to maybe need to get a copy of that so I can put it up here on my wall next to my Ghostbusters poster. For real? Oh man, look at you! Oh, one thing before we segue there and, and end our show, uh, I do want to mention there was a cool moment that we must discuss on Mandalorian. Sure. Because the um, the tracker gets left with Quinn and Rand. Right. Mando takes off. The tracker is still going. He took mm-hmm. the tracker off the prison and brought it with him, which is ballsy as shit, and gave Time it to Rand and took off. And who do we have coming in for the save but a bunch of fucking rogue leaders in their <laughs> X-Wings, dope as shit. Hmm, and I wonder who they were. Who were they? Well, I know I, I'm terrible with names, but I know one of them is the director of the episode. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a the, good uh, one of the other ones. Is, I don't remember who directed this episode. Uh, like Rick, Rick Fumia from Fumia. I'm not good with the name at all. He uh, was the I first dude he, they they hone in on when they're flying mm-hmm. in, right? The kind of chubby guy. I do believe so. And then we also have Dave Filoni, who is one of the executive producers, also directed a couple episodes, and was the master behind uh, the Clone Wars show and the Rebel show. Yeah. So, Hell a couple yeah. nice nice cameos in there. Fucking awesome. Uh, there was also another verbal cameo in this episode. Here, or Also known as an Easter egg, for those of you who okay. are like, what's a verbal cameo? An Easter egg, because they mentioned Canto Bite. They did. They did. Uh, talking about how the Razor Crest is no better than a Canto Bite slot machine. Which, you know, that works. <laughs> pretty pretty fucking accurate, man. But overall, I loved this episode of The Mandalorian, Episode 6. It was fun. It gave me Cowboy Bebop vibes. I could see that. I know uh, Tyler over chat mentioned us that he was not such a big fan of it, so I'm interested to hear his take on it next time you guys get to chat. I'm going to chalk it up to 
I'm going to give Tyler the benefit of the doubt because I know him, and maybe it was mainly just because Bill Burr grades on him a little bit. Also, I think it it's because be. he probably had a pretty terrible day yesterday based on how we were all chatting with each other. True. And I'm assuming if he were to go back through a rewatch in a different headspace, he would probably enjoy the episode a little bit more because I definitely enjoyed it even more on my second watch. Maybe. Um you know, I, I'm, I'll be the first to say you watch anything with a bad headspace, you're not going to enjoy it quite as much, depending on what it is. But I've, I don't know. I think what uh, the, men, the the comments that he had given to us about, uh, I can even pull up the actual comment he left. Um, he didn't like either the Mandalorian or the uh, either of the Twi'leks as well. Um, said the premise was cool. Some of the scenes were cool. Uh, loved uh, Starship Troopers guy. Which I'm guessing was uh, uh, the Deveronian, maybe. Um, he thought the Twi'leks were awful. Uh, makeup, acting, all of it. I will give credence to your your, ta- your take on him not liking Bill Burr. Because his next comment was in all caps. And Bill fucking Burr, one of the most overrated comedians ever. Why Disney? Why? So, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit of color in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh... I don't hate Bill Burr. I just don't like him as a comedian. I think he's an all right actor. Everything I've ever seen him in, I'm like, all right, cool, Bill Burr, you're not bad. But, like, comedy-wise, I think his fucking comedy's trash. I honestly don't know enough of him either way to really comment one way or the other, so I can't say too much. Fair enough. Do you know what's not trash? What's that? The amazing thing that took us a week to talk about, because <laughs> it just so happened that last Monday when Journey into Comics dropped... So did the new trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife? What? Uh, so happy. So unbelievably happy. It crushed me in the feels first watch. I was like, holy shit, they did it. Mm-hmm. They got it right. The tone is right. Like, And, and I want to I just unpack the trailer, talk about it a little bit, talk about a little bit of the fan backlash, because it seems like there are some haters already. It's getting annoying. There uh, are some, and I can kind of understand a little of where they're coming from, but I'm also not jumping on that bandwagon by any stretch yet. Totally. Um, you mentioned tone, and I think part of the, the reason people are disliking it, that there isn't any comedy in the trailer whatsoever. And I think that's what a lot of people were wanting or kind of expecting. Ghostbusters is a comedy in its own right. So to see this kind of very, very serious, very... Uh, dramatic trailer it's it does hit you right in the feels but it leaves out any and all laughs for that first trailer at least i think i would wait to pass any kind of judgment until i until i see other trailers on that but dude you absolutely hit it right in the feels you hit it so hard <laughs> i mean you have uh, a really simple storyline to kind of follow based on mm-hmm. the trailer uh this family their granddad was somebody and left them a house and interesting to note just between me and the hole in the wall you know that ray put not one not two but three mortgages on his parents house that he was born in to get the ghostbusters going Mm -hmm. of course peter will tell him everybody has three mortgages but uh i don't think that it's actually egon's house I think it's oh, I Ray's do. house that Egon inherits. Well, okay, I can see that. 
Okay, like Ray goes to do his own thing. Egon needs to get the f away. Like we might learn this in the, in the back thing or whatever. Or whoever this person is, but essentially these this family's left this house. This house is in the middle of Nebraska, in the middle of fucking nowhere, in a town not on a fault line that shakes like it's having earthquakes every day. Mm-hmm. And you've got uh, the Finn Wolf. I can't think. Wolfhard, yeah, yeah. From Stranger Things is in it, sure. And uh, Paul Rudd's in the trailer as it like it looks like he's like maybe a teacher at the school. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Essentially, he's telling them about how the fault, like there's no fault line, but this town always shakes. And then you get the uh, the, the 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 families under the table hiding, and the little girl starts fucking with the floorboard, and she finds a ghost trap. trap. Mm-hmm. And bro, and, the, and it's Rudd's not any ghost trap. It's not just yeah. any ghost trap. You know which one this is, right? Oh, it's Egon's. But it's the first one mm-hmm. that caught a ghost, which was Slimer. Mm-hmm. It's Slimer's cell, essentially, the initial cell. So Paul Rudd's character's like, well, this is a great replica. Where'd you get this? And they're like, replica? What the hell are you talking about? This isn't a, I don't even know what this is. And then in the most beautiful, clever way, they actually showed the Ghostbusters movie right. in the trailer. Right. <laughs> um, I do want to dispute a little bit. I do think that it is actually Egon's house. Uh, not Ray's, simply because there's a line at the very beginning where she says her grandfather left, uh, the kid's grandfather left them that house full of all the stuff and his own, uh, the ashes of his life or the remnants of his life. So far as we know, there's only one Ghostbuster that's no longer with us, and that's Egon. So, and to find all this stuff, not only his his uh, uniform, but the collection of spores, molds, and fungus that you see him kind of pawing through a little bit. I'm pretty sure that's either either you're onto something and it's Ray's house that they've just bought out and put all of Egon's stuff in. I think based on her line, I think it is actually Egon's old farmhouse or something like that. I don't know though. I uh that line makes me think that it is. Um either way, it's a great callback. I think you're gonna see a lot of emphasis on the Egon character um simply because his the Harold Ramis's son is the one directing the movie. So this is kind of his love letter not only to Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters fans but to his dad as well. So I think that there is definitely going to be a heavy emphasis on that character specifically. No, and I absolutely agree with you that Egon is going to be a very impactful character for this story and what they're trying to do. And I think that's a good thing. Instead of shying away, he's dead. We can't talk about it. We can't discuss it. We can't this. Ghostbusters is a movie about ghosts, man, and they, they're doing this in a very clever way. It's very possible. I'm not sure how, but there might be test footage or unused footage or stuff that Ramis maybe filmed at some point in his life that can be used as like a, a, a they find a tape. That's him talking. Oh, that would be cool. Kind of a kind of the funeral speech from Endgame in a way. Yeah, exactly. Like an unsuspected cameo in that way too. That just like right. takes your breath away. You're just like, oh shit. I think there's. I think the character will be treated very very well, considering that it's Ramus's son. But I think that. I, I I don't know if he'll be he'll make an appearance in the movie if it's possible or not. Even if it is possible, I don't know if they would do it. 
but I think his character and the legacy of Egon's character specifically will play heavily into the plot of the movie. Absolutely. There were some pretty awesome moments, too, in this mm-hmm. uh, trailer. You had, uh, you know, I love that we see the gunner seat being used. Mm-hmm. I love the Ecto-1 in the cornfields just doing spinnies. I lo- I, honestly, I, I marked out just hearing the siren. Yep. Uh, is that one of the, uh, like, Gozer's foots that land on that car? I think it's one of the dogs, yeah. I do think it is one of the dogs. I, that's what I thought, too. I was like, just the, the, the snarl that they put, the sound there, triggered me. Uh, Who brought yeah. their dogs? Oh, God. I, I mentioned to you a little bit off air how much my family, uh, I was raised on Ghostbusters. My stepdad uh, is the biggest Ghostbusters fan I know. Their dog's named Zedmore. Um, That's incredible. So By the way, I just want to say it again. Ever since I was a kid, this has been, you know, heavily part of my life. And just seeing it, hearing it, you know, new stuff involving the Ghostbusters in spirit is just enough to make me smile and think of my family, which is perfect for me. Um, and honestly, I've gotten into a couple arguments with some of my friends uh, over the reboot, the uh, Paul Feig or Fag or whatever his name is, the Answer the Call movie, which I haven't seen. Um, a lot of them giving me shit because, oh, I, I wrote that off in the first trailer, and then suddenly I'm embracing this one. Uh, let so. me tell you why. That last movie was hot fucking garbage. Like I said, I never watched it. I Very bad. It. Doesn't make sense. Like, they, sure, they tr- they tried to kind of to kind of say like this is the world post Ghostbusters happening in New York, but just bad. The movie as, ends on a dick punch. As far as I was concerned, I I was excited about it until I saw the cast listing. And it's not even in, uh, that I you know, didn't like the female thing to it. I don't find Melissa McCarthy or Leslie Jones funny in the absolute least. Like, I absolutely can't stand either of them. So I seeing them as major cast members made me doubt the movie to begin with. And then from the first trailer on, them just doing their, their respective shtick, I, no, I had no interest in watching that. I don't I mean, it could be a completely different property, and I wouldn't want to watch it either. So, All right, so Leslie Jones, I'm not going to lie, I'm a huge fan, mainly because of her stuff on SNL. I don't really necessarily care for how her movie career has been, because I've only seen her like in that shitty Ghostbusters movie, which wasn't that good. I, I don't know that she's done much else. I just, her, her mannerisms, everything she does just grates on me really badly. I don't even know if I could point out one specific thing. But uh, Melissa McCarthy, on the other hand, is kind of an amalgamation because there was a couple Melissa McCarthy movies I fucking loved, like Bridesmaids, hilarious. The Heat, hilarious. But then she did this movie called Tammy, and it was the mm-hmm. fucking worst movie I've ever seen, and ever since then I've been soured on Melissa McCarthy, so I totally vibe what you're saying. I actually, I think I I expressed my, my view on Melissa McCarthy pretty succinctly. I said she blends all the worst aspects of Will Ferrell, which is the fact that he plays the same type of character over and over and over again with a really bad Chris Farley impression. Ooh, yeah. Yep. And it's that just combination of the two things. Supposedly she did a movie called uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me or something like that where it was a very serious movie and apparently she was excellent in it. I have, I have not seen it. I've just heard good things. 
But I have heard the same. And I think that was the movie heard. that came out this year, possibly. Might have been. That might be up for an Oscar, actually. Might or have been. Be in I consideration. But her her comedic roles, to me, are... It's like watching Will Ferrell on like, semi-pro or uh, Blades of Glory or something, where it's just, okay, we've seen this character many times over. It was funny for about five minutes, and now it's really old. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, getting back to the to the new Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer, I'm just thrilled that they nailed the tone. And to touch on you talking about the comedicness or the lack thereof, I think it'll come. I kind of think that's a good thing for this first trailer. I I think it'll come. I think it was. I think for the first for the first glimpse of it that anybody saw. There's a lot, again, with the director being Harold Ramis' son, there's a lot of emotional weight carried on with just the first even showing anything from that. So it being serious and being a very heartfelt, very nostalgia-heavy, that does not at all surprise me. I think it was perfect tone needed for it. Obviously, it got a lot of people in the right feels. Um, It has has an honest touch of horror, too. Yeah, there is. Um, It's got a little bit of dread to it. Um, I think the comedy will be there. The comedy will come. Uh, Paul Rudd, we know, can handle it. Uh, can handle comedy and drama in the same vein. Um, you and I touch back on his scene at uh, Endgame, being probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Um, handling drama and comedy and equal rights. So I think, I, I think the next couple trailers that we see, you'll see more of the comedy played up. But I think for the first, for the first glimpse of it, the first reveal to everybody. I think this was absolutely what it needed to be. Could I couldn't say it better, man. I was very happy with this. I'm looking forward to what seems to be like a going to be a major hit for 2020 uh, as we move into the 2020 is looking decade. good in its own right. Uh, 2020 in general. All in all, there good. were a lot of little references and stuff. I mean, you can comb that trailer over and see all kinds of things. I know that mm-hmm. one thing I saw when the uh, I don't know if the house is shaking or if they're running away or if it's just a splice between those two moments, but in the background you can see a stack of books stacked exactly like a stack yep. of books in the no, first movie. No normal human would stack books that way. No, I uh, I honestly, the biggest smile for me was when they were, again, sorting through the, the assorted stuff in what looks like either the basement or the barn of that farmhouse, and you see all the Petri dishes and all the, the spores, molds, and fungus that he had collected. Yep. That that's what put the biggest smile on my face out of the whole thing. Hell yeah. And uh to touch on what I think the story might be just to to kind of riff. My feeling is is that okay, so sure this was Ray Stance's house, he gives it to Egon. Egon takes everything Ghostbusters related with him there or they all go there. And and this is going to kind of be where the Ghostbusters die. They've saved the the world from um not only uh, you know, Zool, um, and everybody, and uh, they they save him from. Uh, I can't think of that fucking the Carpathian. I can't think of his Vigo. First Vigo name. the Carpathian. Yes, Vigo. Yes. And so then it's like, well, now there's no more ghosts. Things have been cool for a while. They put everything away, lock it up, and then Egon dies. And then so like the containment chamber is under that house. Mm-hmm. With all of the ghosts that they've ever caught. Right. Including the Scolari brothers, just so you know. <laughs> uh, oh, God. But Ghostbusters 2 does not get nearly enough credit. 
Yeah, man. Uh, but all in all, I, I just think that moving forward, it's going to be like the containment cha- chamber, you know, decayed and these ghosts are leaking out one by one. That's why there's a fissure every day because they're trying to get out, but right. they're unable to. And then finally they start getting out. Once the specters kind of take over, quote unquote, Nebraska, which is a total 180 from being in a city, which I kind of right. like, gives it a more of a small town vibe. Uh, you have a team of kids who have to pick up the pieces and kind of play hero when they're not. And obviously, you're going to have like Paul Rudd be the guy who is going to do something like lead this team, but also he's going to be the smart motherfucker, be like, it's 2019 or it's 2020. Why don't we just look up online and see if we can find any original Ghostbusters and ask them some right. stuff? And that's how uh, we're going to cameos of Murray and, say, have they, and 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 uh, uh, Ernie Hudson, um, Bill Murray. I think they've all they've all signed on to do at least part in the movie. I do believe. Yeah, I mean, um, I, 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 have I don't ask, know if uh, Rick Moranis did, which I would love if he had a. If Louis Tully has a cameo, I'm sold. If we can get Lewis and uh, Dana both in it, I'd be sold on it. Um, so Gorney signed on. I can tell you for sure. Okay, good. I will say the uh, one scene that I really want to see, and uh, will just make the movie for me, is if they uh, get William Atherton in it. Just for the it is uh, true. I, this I man need, has no dick. Exactly. I want one more scene with him and Bill Murray. I want one more scene with him and Walter Peck. So, um, I don't know if you saw this, uh, just because we're talking about Walter Peck, we're talking about the Pecker, uh, talking about uh, Peter Venkman, but uh, there's a show on Netflix. Have you seen the movies that made us yet? No. Okay. I, I, part- I actually don't have Netflix, so I can't say too much. What's up? I actually don't have Netflix at all, so I have not seen much on there. Oh, well, I'll just give you my shit so you can check it out because you need to watch this show called The Movies That Made Us. It's a four-part documentary series, uh, and I, they I cover the Footloose, said, the which, okay, familiar. whatever. They cover Home Alone, okay, cool. They cover Die Hard, and they cover Ghostbusters, and it's, dude, okay. you learn so much shit like I never knew. Like, did you know they filmed that whole movie twice? I'd heard that, actually. Uh, because they weren't sure they were going to secure the rights to Ghostbusters. Right. So they were calling the movie Ghostbreakers. That's right. And then the scene where everybody is, oh, the whole crowd is chanting, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, like when they come to save the day and there's chaos on the street and everything, and you hear, bum, 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 the music gets all serious and shit. Like, when that scene happened, dude who was directing or, or one of the producers went to a payphone, right, called the higher-ups, and, and put the phone up and said, we're not filming another second of this as Ghostbreakers. It's Ghostbusters. Do you hear these people? <laughs> and that changed Very history, nice. dude. And, like, there's so many little things in the movies that made us that talk about the Ghostbusters. Like, ah, oh, it's so good, especially with this new trailer coming out. Like, it's just, it's awesome, man. It's a, it's a great revitalization of a property that needed a proper bow on it. I definitely agree. Um. Side note, uh, because of Disney Plus, we've been watching a lot of old movies from my youth and and, and V&I's childhood and Sarah's childhood and everything, and obviously everybody's childhood. But, like, we put on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids two weeks ago. Nice. Okay, awesome movie, Rick Moranis. Like, fucking great. Old school film, I love it. It's like the precursor to Ant-Man in a lot of ways, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And then, like, dude, I swear, I'm not even kidding you, a week later, announced by Disney... 
They have greenlit the reboot, yeah. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yep. And it's actually, I want to say, same director even. It is the same director, Joe Johnston, yeah. who I believe yeah. directed the first Captain America movie. That's very true. And the Rocket Man, yeah. And the Rocket Man, yeah. Uh, and also, allegedly, Paul Rudd is signed on to uh, okay. take over as the kid. Okay. From the first movie. Like, he's going to be the fully grown-up version of Rick Moranis' kid. Okay, I can deal with that. So, oh. should be spectacular. Nikki, his name was Nikki. There you go. Sorry, couldn't remember. Anyways, Buckles, is there anything else we should uh, rock out before we clock out? No, I think we're good. Uh, we got Double Mandalorian coming next week. You got Rise of Skywalker coming next week. You have a. Uh, I'm sure that I'll be talking to you guys, as I always do, in the middle of all of it. Oh, yeah. uh, but I will probably be going radio dark from Thursday evening all the way through probably Monday morning until I get a chance to watch it. You're going to hear me tell you a thousand times, no, seriously, 10 in the morning, go see it. <laughs> uh, the moment that I can, as soon as I get the ability to. If I can go early Sunday morning, I will. It just depends on Fucking when I can a. get, it, get uh, out of family things. I feel you, man. And listen, it's going to be crazy. Like, you guys, listen, I don't even know how 275 is going to play out. I want to have guests on and talk about Rise of Skywalker really, like, in large fashion. However, it is the weekend before Christmas, and I have shit, and everybody has shit. So, right. for you listening, I don't know exactly what 275 is going to hold. I really hope it does have coverage <laughs> of, of Rise of Skywalker non-spoilery, and maybe the following week we can be more spoilerific or something if we can get more people on. But, um I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of JIC. As always, folks, check us out on the Journey Into Comics Network at journeyintocomics.com. Get us on Apple Music, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify, CastBox, TuneIn, and many others. Just search Journey Into Comics Network. One feed, it's all you need. Also, go to patreon.com backslash journeyintocomics and help fund our network. We need your help, your help, your help, your help. You live in Florida, you're listening to us, we need your help. You're living in California, we need your help. Living in Washington State, we need your help. Living in Kentucky or anywhere of the 50 states, we need your help. We're not lying there, folks. And here's the great thing. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we are global all over the world. You guys are listening to us in France and in Germany and in the UK and in fucking South Africa, which is incredible to me, in Australia, you guys... We, not just the people who are in the network, but the people who listen to this network, we are making this possible. So I want to thank you guys all for being a part of this thing. Now, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Journey Into Comics. It's JIC 274. I've been Nate. Buckle still. And we will see you folks later. As always, pop your caps back and fill your brains with shit. Later, guys. <laughs>